Thanks, Matthew. So last night, I had fun. I, I got to stand outside by fires that Tom kept feeding so that, uh, you know, it was nice and cold, but uh, I just never varied too far from the fire. But the part I enjoyed, one, is kind of greeting people as they came and, uh, you know, welcoming them, welcoming them as in my shepherd garb and, and stuff. But also, just sort of as people left, I, you know, got to connect and hear about it. And so for one star night, I heard a lot of just positive things. Like, I, I didn't hear any, any, no one said, well, that was a waste of my time. You know, everyone was uh, positive about what happened, enjoyed it. Um, kids were smiling. Uh, you know, a few kids were crying, but that happens. Uh, you know, you, and they all came out with hot chocolate. And so it's just a great night. And I, I, I know it's been said, but thank you for those who put it on. It was a, it was a kind of a whole church event. And, and so we're happy to do it. And it's good because we want to make a big deal about Christmas, right? This, we believe the coming of Jesus is the most important event, and that everyone needs to know about it. And they need to know not just about the, the cultural celebration, the Santa stuff. They need to know, ultimately, that it's about the Savior who was born. So that, I think we communicated that, and, and I'm glad we did. So, on that, since Christmas is a big deal, I want to start off with a Christmas movie trivia. And the question is, what kingdom, or what, what land did King Moonracer rule over? Can anyone say that? So, not Narnia. That's Aslan. Good, good attempt. I, I heard it. Go ahead, yell it out. Land of Misfit Toys. That's right. Uh, so, King Moonracer, this is the, the Rudolph movie. And Rudolph and Hermie and the guy who always wanted silver and gold. Yukon Cornelius, there you go. Yeah, they end up uh, floating to this strange island and are greeted by King Moonracer who rules over that land and he tells them what his kingdom is about. And he explains that his is a special place where the toys that get left out the toys that, that aren't sent out by Santa and are overlooked, those toys are given a home in his kingdom. And he explains that that's what his kingdom is about and what it is for. When we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about Jesus came as the king that the Jewish people were waiting for. That, you know, we, two weeks ago we talked about he was the Messiah. The, the one who was born to be king of the Jews, the king of God's people. And then last week we talked about how he did miracles, signs, wonders, amazing things that no one else could do as a sign that he really was that king that the people had been, been waiting for. Today we're going to talk about Jesus' role as teacher. He's the one, he not only did amazing things, he taught people. And part of his teaching was explaining what was his kingdom about? And who was it for? The Jesus' favorite sermon topic was the kingdom of God. Talked about it almost in all of his teachings. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, 
kingdom of heaven. Sometimes there also talks about the kingdom of God. And what he, when he talked about that kingdom, he made sure that people understood that the misfits were welcome in his kingdom. Those who, who got left out of society. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Those who get left out of everything else, they can find a place in part of his country, in his, in his rule. Today what I want to do is, is kind of give a, an overview to the teaching of Jesus. And, and I realize as I thought about this, this is a huge, huge topic. There's so many things I could say. So I'm, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look how each of the four Gospels emphasizes a different aspect of how of Jesus as a teacher. So we're, I'll go through those real quick. And then I'm going to look at Jesus teaching himself. There's one section where he talks about what, what are the characteristics of his teaching. That's in Matthew 7, and that's part of what Matthew read. So that's the plan for today. Um, I w- so let's start off with each of the different Gospels. Four different people wrote the story of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of them highlighted different aspects of Jesus' teaching and different methods. So first of all, the Gospel of Mark. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus' teaching mainly comes in response to specific situations or conflicts that happen. In other words, he doesn't, there's not as much teaching in Mark where Jesus sits down and teaches the crowds. Instead, it mostly happens when when something happens, and Jesus gives a response to that. And so one of those is on the screen. It's from, it's from Mark, uh, Mark 10, 13. It says, They were bringing children to Jesus that they might touch him, and the disciples rebuked them. The disciples tried to stop them. So people were bringing to Jesus their children. Like, they recognized this must be a man of God. We want him to bless our kids. And the disciples were like, Whoa, Jesus has more important things to do. Than, than deal with children. And Jesus rebuked his own disciples. He says, no, 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 no. You got to understand, these have a place in my kingdom. Right? Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, because to them belongs the kingdom of God. They are included in, in this plan of God. In fact, he says even more, whoever does not receive God's kingdom like a little child cannot enter it. What does that mean? Well, there's a, you could do a whole sermon on what that means, but I think one thing it means is we don't negotiate our way into God's kingdom as like adults think, right? We think, well, if I'm going to join a club, right, you know, well, I, I do this and he does that. that. That's not how you enter in God's kingdom. You enter in as a child. You receive it as a child, right? You enter in by God's goodness and grace and, and you just come. That is how the kingdom of God would work. So in Mark's gospel, what you got to do if you're reading it, you got to, what's the situation? What's Jesus responding to? A lot of times it's conflict with the other religious teachers, with the scribes or Pharisees who, who were teaching one thing. And Jesus says, you got it wrong. Here's what it's really about. So that's the gospel of Mark. Matthew, Matthew, Jesus comes across in a different way as a teacher. Jesus tells a lot of stories in Matthew. Stories that have a point. We call those parables. In public, Jesus would teach in parables. 
these stories that the crowds would listen to. But then, it seemed like a lot of times these were not understood. So, and then he would, in private, instruct, give instruction for his disciples. So, in the broad public teaching was different than what is private instruction for the disciples. So, he would, he would say, the kingdom of God is like a seed that, that gets planted and grows into this great, great tree. Or the kingdom of God is like a farmer who, who scattered many seeds. And Jesus would over and over teach that. And then he'd, he'd get with his disciples and say, here's what, here's, here's what that meant when I said that. And oftentimes his focus was on making sure his disciples got it, that he would teach them. So there's another section called the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Part of what Matthew read today is in the Sermon on the Mount. And that's where he left behind the crowds. He went up on a mountain, and only his disciples came. And he focused on, this is what it means to follow as my disciple. So that's how Jesus' teaching looks in Matthew. The Gospel of Luke also tells a lot of stories And Luke has some of the same parables as Matthew, but then he has some additional parables that are not found anywhere else. And and the parables in Luke emphasize God's grace and the forgiveness God has for people and forgiveness between people. And so one of the parables that only Luke tells is the parable of the Good Samaritan, where a guy got beaten up by the road and and one... uh, Some people ignored that guy. Some of the religious people ignored the guy and went on their way, and only one guy came to help, and that was a Samaritan, someone who they wouldn't have thought would be helpful, but he came and cared for that guy. And and in that parable, Jesus says, that's who we're called to be like, the one who showed compassion, the one who showed grace. And and Luke has those kind of stories. Another one's the the prodigal son who, who wanders from his father, but then returns and finds forgiveness where he expected something else. That is the, the emphasis that we see in Luke. In Luke, we, we clearly hear that his kingdom is for the misfits in the world. And then there's the Gospel of John. John is a whole different story. John's Gospel, Jesus' teaching, doesn't come so much in stories Instead, he oftentimes uses extended metaphors. Like the, they're called figures of speech. But he, he, he gives these long sections where he focuses on one metaphor. And so the one I have on the screen is, is where Jesus says, I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved. And so that's one, this metaphor of Jesus being a door into eternal life, a door into the kingdom of God. John's gospel as a whole, he organizes the teaching of Jesus around seven I am statements, meaning I am the door, Um, I am the good shepherd, I am the light of the world. That's how you see it come through in in John's gospel. So if you want to understand Jesus as a teacher, you got to look through all seven of those and see how they comprehensively teach what, what Jesus was giving. So as we see, each of the gospel writers, when they saw, heard Jesus teaching, it, it, they got a different message of it. And truthfully, I get that. As, a, as someone who's been 
preaching and teaching for, for a long time now, 20 to 30 years. Different people get different things out of the stuff I say, right? They, I'll, they'll come up and say, wow, I really heard this, Pastor. I'm like, did I say that? I don't remember, you know, but, and I think part of that's the Holy Spirit as, as the God's word is preached and taught. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak into someone's mind and they'll actually hear it in a way that, that, that God is directing just to them. But also sometimes it's just learning style. You notice I like to use PowerPoints and, and different things like that. One reason that I found a lot of people visually, that is very helpful for them. If it's not for you, don't worry about it. Um, but I have, I, that's one thing I found is some people have trouble taking in that information verbally and the, the giving the pictures helps solidify that in their mind. And I think that's what happened with the gospel writers. They, they each sort of heard him a different way. Maybe Matthew was the one most taken notes, and so we have some of the most detailed teachings. And, and John, would, John just picked up on conversations, and so John's gospel, Jesus, a lot of the teaching comes in these conversations. So I want to switch gears and look at the, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, beginning in verse 12. And this is what Jesus said about how people would respond to his teaching. And so it starts with verse 12. says, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So what I want to do is look at different characteristics of Jesus' teaching that he's highlighting. And one of them is that Jesus' teaching would be in line with the Old Testament scriptures, right? Jesus, if you look at the Old Testament, Jesus wasn't going to start fresh and totally ignore the Old Testament and say, well, I, I'm, I'm, my teaching is completely different. He would, it would be drawn from, in many ways, coming from the, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. That's what the Old Testament is. And yet... What Jesus would do is show the true intent of the law and prophets. That God had been speaking to his people in the past. And now Jesus would, would bring home what was God doing? What, what, what are the, the teachings from the Old Testament? That, and how should you understand that in what God wanted to do in your life? Because some of those teachings were ones that would be that were culturally based, that, that would not be relevant as a follower of, of Christ. So one of the example is that one of the big teachings of the Old Testament are the kosher laws, that you should not eat um, certain, you shouldn't eat pork, uh, you know, no bacon, uh, no shrimp, certain things that, that God's people, the Jewish people weren't supposed to eat. What we find in Jesus is, is, is Jesus teaches that it's not... Um, God, it's not the stuff that goes into your stomach that, that causes you to sin. It's actually what comes out of your mouth. It's a corruption out of your heart that shows up in your words. That's actually what God cares about. And so we learn the true intent of, of the teaching through Jesus, that he will show what the Old Testament was really about. So that's one characteristic. Uh, verse 13, we get a different one. And here Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. Following Jesus' teaching will lead you against the grain of majority opinion. Right? There is the broad 
path and the narrow path. The broad path is the one that most of the people are on. Most of society, the world we live in, is going to tell you these, these things. The narrow path of, G, of following Christ, following his teachings, will not go the same direction. It will lead you to other things, other truths. So if you're going to choose to listen to Jesus, to follow him, hold to his teachings, you will find that there's a lot of things the majority of people are doing that, that, that you, you won't do, you can't do, because you've made Jesus your teacher. And so it's going to lead you against the grain of majority opinion. You need to be prepared to feel like the odd man out or maybe the misfit toy. The, the narrow way is oftentimes harder. That, that there will be things that you'll say, have to say no to because the one you've given your life to, the one you trusted your life to says, that's not good for you. Everyone else may say it's okay, but that, no, go a different direction. I want to add one thing to that, though. Um, in the Old Testament, there's a verse that talks about, you know, follow the laws of God and do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Oftentimes, there's dangers on both sides, right? It, you can go off the path by, by, by hearing one thing, um, but, or you could go off the path by you're so afraid of, of this one thing that you, you actually go too far the other way. Right? You, you don't want to fall off the cliff on this side, and it can lead you to fall off the cliff on the other side. And I found that a lot of times, most heresies come because someone's so focused on one thing that they miss the error on the other side. And so that's part of what makes following the, the Christ a narrow path. You've got you to gotta consider what are the dangers on either side of the path. Verse 15. We get a third characteristic. Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are, at, are, inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus clearly warns that there'll be false teachers who can put out the outward appearance of faith. You know, how will his teaching go forth? It'll go forth through teachers. Those who, who you listen to, you got to decide, are they truly speaking in the name of Christ? There'll be, there'll be some who teach in his name, but will not lead people towards faith and grace in Jesus Christ. And so he gives two, two contrasts. There's the sheep versus the wolf. You know, the wolf comes in sheep's clothing. Um, the other example he gives, metaphor he uses, is the tree that, that's not bearing good fruit. And so both are, are pictures of, of false prophets. Notice the one, it's, it's on the outward versus the inward, right? The, the outward, he presents, this false teacher presents himself as a sheep, but it's really a wolf. Or the tree, um, you know, is, is putting out fruit, but it's, it's, the outward fruit is not good fruit because there's a disease within the tree. And so the one aspect is, is there be teachers who can put on a good show. Who can, who can be dynamic and interesting and, and, and all this, but be lacking in having the heart and character of Jesus Christ. Right? You, there'll be some who are like, ooh, that, that's a, he's very interesting. That's a great teacher. But nevertheless, beware. So 
there was this thing, and I, I only heard about it recently, and it's kind of an old thing already, but it's preachers in sneakers. I guess there, are some, there, there were some celebrity pastors who, who would, um, who, who basically would have these, you know, fashion-oriented outfits, and, and one guy, his name is Ben Kirby, he was watching them on, like, YouTube or something, and he saw their sneakers, and what he would do is he would post on Instagram uh, the preacher and how much their sneakers cost. And some of them were spending thousands of dollars on, on their sneakers. Like, you know, they wanted to be hip and cool, and I guess one pair was like $5,000 for a, a pair of shoes. Uh, so, you know, you could assess whether my shoes are worth anywhere near that or my sandals with socks. Um, I, I, I freely admit I'm not a fashion person. Um, and then I guess it got so much attention, he, he wrote a book about it. But, but this idea that, you know, are, are they more focused on the outward, on this presenting themselves as a certain way, rather than are their teachings really reflective of the heart of, of Christ and what he would lead his people to do? So that's one thing, is the outward versus the inward. The other thing to note, is the time frame. So producing fruit is not immediate. Right? I think we are an impatient society. And if we're sometimes what we're looking for is this quick, quick stuff. Oh, they're exciting. They, you know, things happen, crowds gather real quickly. Um, and, and so some people may look good for a while, but character is revealed over time. Character is often revealed through hardships and difficulties. And so in deciding if someone's a, a, a spiritual teacher that you could follow, I think you, you got to look for the character and not just, you know, well, do they, they, do they put on a good show? Um, I want to add two thoughts to this idea of, of thinking about who you, what spiritual teaching that you're going to follow or what teaching of Christ. One is no pastor or no pastor is perfect. Right? You, you can always find faults anywhere. We too, every pastor is sin, a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. So you got to have grace in the equation and not just hypercritical things when you're, you're considering a, a spiritual leader. The other is this. It's the benefits of, of being a part of a congregation versus just seeking a, a, a Bible teacher on the internet or some, somewhere publicly, someone who can put out DVDs. Um, you see, in a congregation, you get to know people. You see and you get near people, and you, you're living life together. You're doing things together. You, you, you can assess what, what is the fruit of their character, right? Is their character bearing good fruit? Are, you know, do they have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness? And I think that's important. In an era where people are, you know, the... the you know, they just want the latest, greatest thing online. There are benefits to being part of a congregation of believers that are learning to follow Jesus together. Another characteristic in Jesus' teaching, starting in verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He goes on to talk about those who do certain things, but then he says to them, 
I never knew you. You see, Jesus' teaching is meant to lead us to a true relationship with God our Father, a true relationship with Christ, not just, not merely religious activity. There will be people who can speak the right words. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, right? There will be people who know things about God. It talks about those who can prophesy. Um, There'll be those who have spiritual experiences, can cast out demons and do mighty works. It talks about those who cast out demons and do many things in my name. But those are the ones, they do these religious things, maybe even impressive things, but nevertheless, it says they do not know me. It's not about just doing impressive things. We are meant to know about Jesus, to know the Lord, to learn to incorporate him into our life. We're meant to have him in our life. Um, You can become an expert in the Bible and the things of all this, uh, the history of the Bible and all the, the things, and yet miss it. You're meant to know the Lord. Um, you're meant to grow in him, to, to come as a child, to enter God's kingdom as a child, and then grow in faith and love for God and, and love for his son. That's the whole, whole ballgame. Not mere religious activity, though it is. Of course, if we know him, he's going to lead us to do things. But that's what God desires for your life. The prophet Jeremiah, when he talked about the new covenant, we, we looked at this uh, uh, several weeks ago. He says, when the new covenant comes, he says, they will all know me from the least unto the greatest. That will be the characteristic of the new covenant, that people will know the Lord. Another characteristic of Jesus' teaching. And this comes from the part that, that, that we read at the beginning of the, the message is the teachings of Jesus are to be the foundation for our life. So, so the parable that he ends the Sermon on the Mount with is the one about the rock and the house. And it's talking about, you know, how will you build your life? Will you build your life on the rock of Jesus' teachings, on the things that we hear and we put into practice? That's how you build your life. Or will you build your life on something else? Right? You may hear Jesus teaching, but you say, no, my life is really about something else. And Jesus compares building your life on something other than him as building your whole house on sand that can shift and give way. Right? If you want to build your life on something solid that will last, you need to build it on, on Jesus. He is the only foundation that will carry us through Because in that parable, it talks about the storms that beat and batter against the house. Every one of us, at some point, will face storms. Whether it's physical illness, whether it's uh, financial struggles, whether it's inability to get a job, whether it's it's inner emotional struggles, whether it's conflict in relationships, the storms of life are going to knock us down. On what can we count on? And that's where we're meant to, to hear Jesus' teaching, to know it, and to learn to build it into our life. Any other foundation will let us down. I was just reading from Jeremiah, because um, I think so much of this is foreshadowed, and, and Jeremiah was a prophet from the Old Testament. And he says, I, I have this against my people. 
they, they would not drink the, the, from the fountain of living water that I gave them, and they've built their own cisterns or wells. And these, these, the wells that they built are broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Right? We, 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 we try to build our life on something that cannot hold water. It may work for a while. We need, we need something that can, can last us through life. And that leads us to the final point. Jesus had an authority that like no one before and no one since. And the crowd saw it. It says when they, they were astonished at his teachings. And he taught them as one who had authority, not like the scribes and the other religious teachers whom, whom they heard. It's like the, Jesus had something. And that's something he had. And they, were, they, they couldn't totally see it is the word authority. Because he was the true king who had come for his people. So the word authority is key to understanding Jesus' teaching. It is the Greek word ekousia. That, that thing that looks like an X is not an X. It's a chi, ekousia. And it, it's throughout the, the Bible. It would be a great thing just to look up that word and you know, look up the word authority throughout the, the, the New Testament scriptures and see, see where it comes up. It's talking about, ekousia is rightfully given authority. You know, the official definition of authority, the power or right to give orders, make decisions, and enforce obedience. That's what Jesus had. Synonyms. uh, Power, jurisdiction, command, control, mastery, charge. Jesus' teaching has the power to change our lives. If we understand and we heed it. Jesus can rightfully command our life. He knows our life better than we know it ourselves. Mark 2 verse 10, Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's when he does one of his miracles. Right? He had authority to teach and to do these amazing things. And then at the end of Matthew, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. God made Jesus in charge of everything. Um, So Jesus has authority. Here's Here's what's interesting. Jesus has authority, but did not assert it over those unwilling to follow. One of the things he would say is, let he who has ears, let him hear. Right? He, he has authority, but he does not impose or assert authority on those who want to go a different direction. Instead, Jesus invites men and women to put their trust in him and receive him as their king, as the authority over their life. And so... When we do that, when we receive him as the authority in our life, we become a part of his kingdom. His kingdom that welcomes the misfit toys of this world. We become part of the, the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Uh, a later verse, Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So, Jesus, in a sense, is that door 
right? Just as he says, I am the door. He is the door into God's kingdom. When we are willing to trust what he said and, and learn to put it into practice, uh, we believe we're putting our faith in, in, we put our faith in him and we walk through that door. We enter God's kingdom. And, and for here and now, it's, the, the door is open to, to become a follower of Christ, to, to live for him. And so one day, the kingdom of God will come in its fullness. In, in Matthew 25, Jesus says, One day the, the Son of Man will come in his glory, and all the angels with him, and then he will sit on his glorious throne. So in this time, we trust Jesus as the king, the one, though we cannot see his, his throne room. One day we will see it. But it says on that day, the door will be shut. We are called to put our trust and faith in Jesus while we still cannot see. That's what faith looks like. To believe that he truly is the king. It says on that day, the door will be shut. And it says he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. The good news, friends, is that the door stands open at this time. Revelation 4.1, it says, it says, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. We who are hearing the teaching, we have this good news, we have this opportunity to, to receive Jesus as the rightful authority in our life. The door stands open. Are you ready to go through it? Father in heaven, I thank you that, that you, you sent your son Jesus because you want us to become part of your kingdom. You want to include us and, and make us a part of, of the, 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 the kingdom that you're building on earth. Lord, help us to trust in your son, to, to truly believe that he is the rightful king, the one who is in charge of everything, and to give him our life. Help us to know what that means, to follow him and to follow his teachings. We ask that your grace be upon us in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, please stand as we sing our closing song, Crown Him.